0: Everybody, and welcome back to I'm Frickin' Lonely. How about you? Staying connected in the time of COVID. I'm assuming optimistically that I have a following at this point. I'm your host, Sheila Null, and as usual, we're here in my garage studio in Princeton, New Jersey, hearing from people about their lives, how they've been impacted by the pandemic and how they've adapted and evolved in response to the ever-changing environment from 2020 to 2022. Unbelievable. Today, I'm pleased to welcome, as my guest, Ed Klimek. Ed is a partner at KSS Architects, an award-winning architecture and design firm with offices in Princeton, Philly, and New York City. Of course, that is his professional description, but I imagine more importantly are his personal descriptors of father, husband, son, and student, and I might add friend to that list, happily. He's also a practicing Catholic, and I'm eager to hear about how that's helped define his life, future goals, and continuing education, particularly during the pandemic. I consider myself very fortunate to have worked with Ed for over 20 years, and while I normally eschew this hackneyed term because it gets used incorrectly from r- wrong people, I can actually say that Ed is a true thought leader. <laughs> I can't believe you use that term. I know. <laughs> well, if anybody listened to it. my first episode, <laughs> they heard me say I hate that term, but, but you really are. And he's never one to rest on his laurels, always striving to achieve greater things, and most often for the good of others, in my view. So, thanks, Ed, for agreeing to join me here in the garage. I'm very glad to be here. (laughs) To tell a bit of your story. So, before we dig into the meat of the discussion, tell us a little bit more about yourself that I haven't already covered.
1: Quite a bit of it. So, I was uh, born and raised in New Jersey and uh, went to Detroit to school for for a while, lived there, great town, and then came back to New Jersey because I really missed the ocean. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It draws you back. And have lived here.
0: I'm from the Midwest, so well, I know <laughs> what it's like to be landlocked.
1: <laughs> it was fun to be there, but it was good to be back. And I have two kids. Uh, they're all grown now and out and doing their own thing. Uh, a, Great uh, kids. industrial designer, and uh, my son's a cellist, and my daughter's an industrial designer. She's out in Santa Monica. Right
0: yeah, now. Art's running your family.
1: They seem to, yes. God help us all. <laughs> or God help Sarah, my wife. <laughs> True
0: enough. So, you know, we have been starting our conversations, you know, about what we were doing, February and March of 2020 yep. and what we, you know, how it impacted us personally and work wise and so forth. So any stories yeah. you have to tell? <laughs> so it was uh, the
1: end of February and um, I had a, a meeting in New York City, around a really large development that we're doing there, a rather big developer. And uh, we came in from this meeting and uh, at the meeting, uh, or introduced at the meeting was, uh, somebody who was in to visit and I think talked to the developer probably to get some contributions. And that was Andrew Yang.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I think
1: by this time he had dropped out of, uh, out of the race, but at that time, um, already beginning Which to Which race? Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> we're starting to hear about rumors about potential mayor race. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway. um
0: Yeah, I even forget. I think of him so much as the mayoral candidate for New York City that I forgot that <laughs> he ran for that's president. That's
1: right. That's right. And my son, Thomas, is a big gang-ganger. <laughs> so oh, funny. He was really, when I, I said, Thomas, guess who's here? I'm texting him. He couldn't believe it. Anyway, so it was the end of February, and I wasn't feeling really good. I just kind of had a cold or something like that. Mm. Whatever. So that was a Friday. Next by the next Monday, I was like, ah, still not quite right. But I, I went to another meeting uh, for actually a local project here, and all of a sudden something just really hit me hard. And I, I had a fever, and all I oh, I, no. I got to get. I literally left the meeting.
0: And, and this is in this February. Is
1: end of February.
0: Whoa, in New York. Oh.
1: So the meeting, original meeting, was in New York, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So now I'm back in Princeton, and I'm like I just do not feel good. Now we had just started to hear about it all at yeah. that point. Nobody really knew exactly what was going on.
0: Yeah, we were in New Zealand.
1: That's right. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. So anyway, so I um, I left the meeting, and um, I just really really felt, you know, not great. So I wasn't feeling great, uh, and I went to the doctor, and um, you know I had a fever. I felt like a really bad flu, and doctor i said at this time i'm getting ready to go to guatemala oh my oh exactly so and we'll be
0: hearing more about guatemala later indeed. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so i have to figure out what's going on so uh anyway went in and he tested me for the flu and said well i don't know what you got but it's not the flu oh no it's a virus of some sort but it's not the flu now to this day i don't know that i actually had covid but i felt really really bad but
0: could well, you smell or taste I could. Okay.
1: So I'm hopeful that it actually wasn't COVID. But all keeps keeps going through my mind is, oh, my God, I gave Andrew Yang COVID. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so I never hear, heard if he got COVID. So hopefully I didn't give him COVID. That's But hilarious. as it turns out, I got better. And uh, a week or so later, I guess a couple weeks later, I went to Guatemala, and this was the famed weekend when they shut it all down. They literally closed the border behind us as we came back into the
0: country. Oh, so you were able to get back. I was able to get back. Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. Another
1: day, I would have been in trouble.
0: Yeah, touch and go. We've heard some stories like that that people just barely made it back. That's how we felt, actually, getting back from New Zealand m- yeah. on March 5th, you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. So crazy, you know, if anybody that has listened to this knows I retired in uh, September of 2019. So I was already retired when the pandemic really hit. But you know, from your standpoint, clearly, you're a partner, you're an executive in a firm. And of course, currently, we're hearing about all the the edicts that owners of firms have to lay down for their, their people. Um, How did you handle that from the very beginning? I know, you know, starting to zoom and zoom happy hours and serving clients and I just, you know, not being there to do it, I don't know how you did
1: it. <laughs> it was really hard, um, but I would say that we were primed to do it because you had the three offices, as you, as you mentioned, and we cross-collaborate between offices. So already we were using Zoom and those kinds of tool, tools for cross-collaboration and not have, have to be in exactly the same place. So we already had the tools, um, so we were able to adapt pretty quickly.
0: That's true, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, Makes it was sense. weird, uh-huh.
1: <laughs> but, but we were able to adapt. And pretty early on, you know, we took on the approach that we're not going to force anybody to come back into the office and feel uncomfortable or anything like that, and people were able to adapt. And we actually, uh, during that period of time, we got really busy.
0: Yeah, I saw that. I mean, you really started to grow. And um, So how do you market, you know, projects and so forth?
1: So remotely, <laughs> I spoke at more conferences via Zoom than you can possibly imagine. And mm-hmm. that's what basically happened is that the whole business world turned into all these online conferences mm-hmm. uh, where people start to share ideas. And in that respect, it was kind of interesting. Um, more started to happen because mm-hmm. people were confused. What's going on? What's the impact going to be on the economy and development and all that? So they wanted to start conversations around it. So that led to our marketing um, mm-hmm. it was through that universe, the Zoomiverse, that we got out there, shared ideas, and and grew the business. So yeah, we hired. I think it's 19 people we hired during during the period of
0: time. Yeah. and Do you know all their names?
1: In, no. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them, no, I I have met them all. Now. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> there was a period of time where I hadn't met them. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I it uh, I struggled to wrap my brain around how I would have managed a team remotely. You, you know, do things
1: differently. Like you have stand up meetings every day. Mm-hmm. Where you do them on Zoom, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. You do your best to connect with people mm-hmm. so you mentioned happy hours so yeah we even were doing you know zoom happy hours and things like that and monday morning meetings and yeah. doing anything you can to be social
0: yeah well i even attended initially some of those zoom I happy remember. hours you <laughs> know but then i thought i'm overstaying my welcome
1: <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs>
0: not at all. Oh, that's just that's really fascinating because i've been wondering about real estate and and the impact you know in which of the markets Particularly workplace, you know, we're impacted by this. It's just totally changed oh, yeah. what workplace is. Oh,
1: yeah. So. It yeah. dramatically is changing, and and people's attitudes towards their workplace is changing. I think partly because I think we're pretty sure that in one way or another it's going to be hybrid.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
1: So all of a sudden the nature of your workplace changes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and people for for a while, if you remember, it was big open environments. <laughs> they wanted big open environments. Not anymore. no more. Right? No. <laughs> For maybe obvious reasons. Right. But, you know, having more private space, smaller space. Mm -hmm. um, I I think one thing that we're beginning to see is that, you know, why do people come back to the office? Because the environment's different. Mm -hmm. It can be a better place than home. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you have a good environment, people will come back to be a part of that environment. And, of course, to interact. Yeah, definitely. Well, the
0: whole title of this podcast, I'm freaking lonely. You know, you're (laughs) just... You know, you're home alone. And yeah. whether you're Zooming or not, it's you're just not really as engaged. And uh, I think that was really the thing I was missing on maybe sort of start this, these conversations. You know, just, like I said, force people to come and talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't seen you in a while. So. That's right. I know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so Ooh. leaning from that into relationships, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about how it impacted their family. What kind of – what are their family relationships – you know, are they strong? You know, or are you accustomed to being together and now you can't be? Or, you know, and again, that's evolved since 2020 right. also. that's um, like they didn't want to use Z as a name for one of the variants
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. Chinese
0: prayer. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, that's an aside. But anyway, yeah, family. So how did this all impact your family? And I know, again, over two, the two years, that's changed a lot.
1: It has. You know, it, before
0: the vaccine, yeah.
1: post-vaccine. So we made a bubble pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, So first, in terms of my immediate family, our daughter Caroline and her new husband, they lived... They lived at that point near the shore, and we were blessed in that they didn't have a washer and dryer. <laughs> um,
0: so <laughs> that is a blessing. <laughs> it is.
1: Word to life. Never give a washer and dryer to your kids uh, for a, a gift because when they don't have it, they come home because they need to do their laundry. So yeah. we got. They were. They were part of our bubble, mm-hmm. and uh, so we saw them every That's weekend. Great, and yeah. um, you know, we were careful, of course, but they were part of the bubble. Our son, who was further away, that was harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we got a zoom account yeah we, we zoomed a lot and did all that but also my parents my father in particular at that point was pretty sick mm-hmm. so i had to extend into that and provide a lot of care for him as well so that was a little stressful
0: well how how did that work because yeah i thought you had said that he, he was ill and then he ended up passing away yeah. and you know were you able to actually you weren't able to physically be with him were you or were you i
1: did we had no choice okay and that was to, the kind of care and that they allowed he that i mean <laughs> I'm, no one there to really stop you oh, okay. but um,
0: Oh, because he was home?
1: He was home. Oh, okay. Yeah, And in fact, that was, I think, part of the problem. He had gone into the hospital and gotten an infection, and then they had sent him home. They didn't want you in the hospital.
0: Definitely not.
1: The, you know, they were all overflowing. Oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, and they, couldn't, they were more frightened about what he could get there. So, no, they did the opposite. They sent him home, so mm-hmm. we were caring for him at home. So it was rough, you know, um, and you did what you had to do. I mean, he eventually uh, he died in September. He had gotten really sick in the beginning of the summer. Uh, so it wasn't from COVID, it but It wasn't COVID. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm sure that COVID impacted the quality of the care that he could receive. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, so that was our bubble. Yeah, so caring for my parents, caring for my kids. So it was a pretty big bubble. Yeah. <laughs> Which meant we had to be pretty careful. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah. So testing wasn't that big of a thing at that time, was it? No, or, yeah. No. Which is crazy.
1: Well, exactly. You just kind of hope for the best. <laughs>
0: Well, you said also that you're, well, Sarah, your wife, she has a much larger family that you're, you're sort of, you know, your family is smaller on your side, but she has nine siblings. Or, um, so did you? how did you stay connected to them, or how did she stay connected to
1: them? Or? Yeah, so um, this has always been a challenge, too, right? So, again, we already <laughs> have these a lot things. of people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So they mostly live near Rochester, New York. Uh, so, yeah, there's the whole... One good thing about Facebook is that you can use it well for you know connecting with family and that kind of stuff, right so
0: there's yeah, yeah. we've had the conversation this is the good outweigh the bad one?
1: Exactly, Exactly. <laughs> I'm not too sure. Right now it was greatly beneficial. And then yes, we had some zooms and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also her sister actually got quite ill as well afterwards and, and she wound up passing away.
0: Was that from CoVID or
1: No, she, um, she had uh, she had cancer, oh. uh, probably uterine. Uh, cancer when it started. But again, probably because of COVID, uh, it really wasn't found until oh, much, much later.
0: That's heartbreaking. So, yeah. You know, so it was,
1: it was a couple of rough, rough years mm-hmm. from that point of view. And again, it wasn't directly COVID, but you could see how it's dramatically impacted quality of, of care that can be given. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I've actually been lucky with my eye surgeries and that that particular hospital hasn't had a, an onslaught of COVID patients it's here in New Jersey and which is surprising, but uh, I've been lucky in that regard. So I've, I've actually gotten some good attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you said you're not gregarious. I don't know. You 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 seem to be so particularly well at work and when you're marketing and that kind of thing. You seem pretty gregarious.
1: Uh, it's kind of interesting. I always call myself in. I, I think I'm in, I am introverted, um, but I'm called at work to be an extrovert. Mm. So you got to do what you got to do, right? Mm. So um, from that respect, COVID was uh, kind of an interesting time because I'm also going through a kind of a transition to retirement. In, you're, you're, you're retired. I'm taking a period of time to get myself there. Right, uh-huh. So I kind of had – I'm purposely trying to withdraw a bit from the firm, mm-hmm. and then you have COVID on top of that. So in many respects, it was challenging – to be away from people. But mm-hmm. it also gave me a lot of space to one, be, be an introvert. <laughs> and two, I was going to school. I decided to go back and get a, get a master's degree. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a, it was an asynchronous online program. So COVID happened right smack in the middle of it. So that distance gave me a little bit of a space to do that. So for folks like me, interestingly enough, it's kind of re-entry is also a little bit more stressful.
0: Mm-hmm. Most well, people. you're not the first one that I've heard say that about how the pandemic actually has given them more space, particularly people who consider themselves introverts, that they just didn't feel so much pressure, yeah. you know, to be to be out there. So, so far, I haven't talked to a lot of people that have had a really terrible experience. But
1: no, I didn't have terrible experience by by any stretch of the. No, mind. that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, so man. far, <laughs> so I'm so. looking for
0: this. I'm looking for somebody with a. You know, horror story. <laughs> <laughs> you're not it. <laughs> no, no horror. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, you know, since you started talking about, um, you know, your education, you know, talk a little bit about what drove you to pursue this this degree that that you're you're going after, and sort of what built up to that, and maybe. Through the work in Guatemala, there was a relationship? Yeah, so (laughs) the degree is from St. John's. Through your church, perhaps? Yeah, Mm -hmm. um,
1: through Catholic Relief Services. So the degree is in global development and social justice. It's from St. John's, and I just finished it.
0: Where is St. John's, or that's online? Queens. Oh, it's in Queens, okay. Yeah, But you didn't have to go.
1: No, no, (laughs) because the program is designed to bring in people from all over the world, so that's another reason that that it's asynchronous. Um, So, yeah, but my work had started in in Guatemala probably about 15 years ago, And um, I helped to run a, we call it a solidarity lending program, it's essentially microfinance, but it's okay. a little bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually try to work, establish a fund, but work with a community in, in a really close relationship and use that relationship, a solidarity relationship, to really act as the collateral for our loan system. And, uh, and it's worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really inspired by the people I met by seeing what could happen and decided, you know, uh, perhaps it's time to think about another career, get a real job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I knew that I would be at a point where of retiring, but maybe I should retire a little bit earlier mm-hmm. and try to do something else in this other field that I've been working in. So, Definitely. I went out and uh, got this degree. And interestingly enough, about halfway through, a couple of professors came by and said, "You know, Ed, you shouldn't walk away from what you've been doing for 40 years." <laughs> right? instead you should try to work the two together. So, oh
0: yeah, I think I saw that you yeah, that you were going to try and weave that in. I'm working on that
1: right now. Yeah, yeah. cuz I think that's part of you know when we all get out of this mess that we're in. Mm-hmm. That I think that, you know, the world needs to heal and I think that designers and design thinkers really could play a big part in doing that. And that's really the the work of of social justice. So
0: Well, I don't think there's actually any way that you could not infuse what you've been doing all this time into your future work. It's just that's what happens. It will always be woven into your fiber. But I was wondering again during 2020. Well, you didn't go down to Guatemala that often anyway. How how did you work with uh, the community? Your yeah. community family that is in Guatemala, you know, remotely in that, during that time.
1: Yeah, so they're incredibly resilient people. So I would say another big benefit of Facebook is that in the developing world, everybody has Facebook and WhatsApp. The whole developing What's world. WhatsApp is
0: bigger, isn't it? Or much no? bigger, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and it became a platform from which to communicate. Okay. Um, so Facebook at that point had Messenger, which is a video thing as well. Sure. And again, since it's in, like, Kids in Guatemala are exactly like kids here. Teenagers, they all have their phones, right? Mm -hmm. And the cell phone and that connectivity is really dramatically changing the developing world. So it became a means to communicate. Mm -hmm. So people would use usually their kid's phone (laughs) and use Facebook Messenger. And we video called, and we video called, you know, a couple times a month Mm -hmm. uh, just to keep in touch with what's going on with the loans, what's going on with the program. By this time, too, we had been really working to help the community be more independent in the guidance of the program. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Uh, So they were able to do it well without us actually physically being there. But what's really important to the program is that idea of solidarity, Mm -hmm. that you're still a community together, even though we're here in the U.S. and folks are there in Guatemala, we're one community. That really helped us to do that. So using WhatsApp and using uh, Facebook, we were able to, keep that communication going. Mm-hmm. And the folks there are really amazing. I mean, they're really, really resilient. Of course, COVID is, is there too. Sure, yeah. Um, and, you know, they just don't have the healthcare systems to track it or deal with it like like we do here. Um,
0: Not that we're using ours to the best advantage.
1: This is true, but <laughs> compared to Guatemala? Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, they're amazingly resilient. They actually... Um, so. There are many uh, women that are part of the, the loan program. Mm-hmm. And they start businesses.
0: What types of businesses? Not to you know, yeah. take a different trajectory, but i really kind of very curious as to who uses the loans and how do they use them,
1: you know? So they use them for a variety of different things. When we started, it was a lot of agricultural-based loans. So a lot of people, there they, uh, they rent their land on which they grow coffee. Okay. So the loans became a means for them to be able to do that efficiently. But very quickly, we aimed it towards women, too, So they started businesses so that while there was, you know, agricultural activities going on during the day and mostly with their husbands, it allowed them to do things like um, a couple of women sell cosmetics um, and do so in their own town, but a neighboring town. Uh Clothes. Um, Another uh, group started uh, like a ice, not ice cream, ice is kind of a business. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Another one started a little shop that sells like a bodega. Uh and then others are sort of an agricultural-related business. They, um, they raise chickens and pigs and things like that and sell them as livestock and whatnot. So, and they've been really transformative uh, in, in the community. That's really inspiring wonderful. Women. That
0: is so cool. But what's cool
1: about, you know, say the cosmetics, another one does shoes, which is really cool. Um, but they had to adapt their business during COVID. Mm-hmm. Their issue was their inability to get the products. Right. Kind of what we're experiencing. Yes. <laughs> definitely. Supply chain. Supply chain. <laughs> exactly. It yeah. works a lot differently. It's, it counts on your ability to find a public bus to get to Guatemala City to get the stuff that you need to be able to sell it. Wow. Public buses started to shut down.
0: Oh my, yeah. As
1: well as their ability to get to their customers. So what do they do? E-commerce. Their own version of it. Oh, yeah, using WhatsApp. Sure. And they would take a photograph and send it on WhatsApp and say, I was able to get these shoes or whatever. And their business actually improved. Oh,
0: that's fantastic. Yeah. And actually, it was probably more efficient for them than, it you was. know, not to have to spend all that time on the bus.
1: Exactly. Nice. Exactly. So all the kinds of things that we're doing for COVID are the kinds of things that people in the developing world do every day mm-hmm. to, to survive yeah. uh, and to make a living. So they're pretty resilient. Mm-hmm. And we've learned a lot from them, you know, I think, in, in building our own resilience here. Mm-hmm. So now yeah, they're amazing people.
0: Oh, that's fantastic! I just I love that story. So, um, how are you then going to fold that into what you're going to do uh-huh. when you retire? I mean, your your next big thing.
1: Yeah, so I'm still working, and on and you're that. still <laughs> good, <laughs>
0: but you'll still be connected to the folks in Guatemala in what oh, you do, much. Oh, or yeah. are you going to broaden it?
1: Hoping to broaden it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are beginning to lay the groundwork to expand the program uh, throughout Guatemala. Mm-hmm. I'll have more time and space. By which to do that and, and to work more directly, hopefully, with groups like Catholic Relief Services and whatnot. So that is still very much part of the plan uh, moving forward. Uh, also, frankly, just educating people more about it uh, mm-hmm. back here in the States. But I'm also beginning to look at the world of, of design and planning and think about how we use planning and design and development mm-hmm. towards more equitable ends. You know, how can <laughs> development not just meet increase jobs and, you know, increase ratables, which it should do at a minimum, but how does it do more things? Yes. And what are the systems by which you can lead development and regulation and incentives to achieve those broader ends? Mm-hmm. And I think that takes kind of a design approach that's rooted in, in social justice. So I'm beginning to explore how that could be done.
0: Well, that is a global issue. It certainly is yes. uh, an issue here at home. Oh, yeah. Uh, and... Uh, A battle fought every day? And the answer (laughs) seems to be more and more invasive, you know, because a lot of people don't see it or get it, understand or want to understand. I think,
1: although I'm beginning to see a turn, uh, you know, I'm starting to see community groups and communities and cities begin to think differently. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some examples, for example, in New York City. Think local, uh, not <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Everything's yeah. local.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and by the way, that's going to be a big thing. I think, you know, when you look at a resilient supply chain, that means we're not getting everything from China, mm-hmm. right? So all of a sudden, the idea of, you know, industry taking on a different kind of role than just buying things in a global, overly globalized economy yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. And how does that come back in a way that's just and equitable? How does it integrate back into kind of communities and city environments? That's a, that's a thing to get cracked. And, and I'm beginning to see that there are people in government, um, community groups that are interested in trying to figure that formula out, and developers. So, um, you know really? That, yeah, you know, I'm part <laughs> that's of That's surprising. <laughs> oh, uh, it was pretty interesting. Um, so you know that I've been a part of, well, to market for the firm, been a part of national development groups. Sure. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the conversations that we've been having very directly are about how to achieve this end, with development, but our audience is developers because mm-hmm. ultimately they're the ones that have got to do it. Right. It has. They have very much are interested in that. So it's resonated with them very much.
0: Wow, that's that's nice to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: In fact, they actually invited me to become a governor and one of their boards for research.
0: Oh, well, I saw so, that. Which organization yeah, was that? It's NAOP. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. And yeah. it's
1: because they're interested in It's another generation too of leadership that's coming in. I think. Sees the world differently, mm-hmm. so I'm optimistic.
0: That's great. Well, I hope you're right, because <laughs> I have a tendency to listen too much to the negative, uh, and 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 I have a tendency to despair. Um, so it's nice that why you, would you? Why
1: would you? <laughs> I wouldn't be I have that feeling at all these days. <laughs> I mean, the fact that we've all sitting in our houses and looking at the political situation the way it is. So. Well, that's the other thing. That's
0: we are just sitting in our houses and looking at that and right. we feel like we have very little role to play or we have little power to to change things, you know. And uh, so it's nice to hear that really if you focus on a more local level, maybe you do have the power, yeah. you know, and uh, to not despair.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I think that's why another reason that Guatemala has been such a blessing for me is I've had a chance to see that, right, and mm-hmm. how a very different culture and community is, adapting and working and yeah it's going to be really I I think in the developing world it's going to be the next few years that are the hardest right Mm -hmm. they're just recovering from the financial crisis right so now there's COVID Mm -hmm. and I think what we don't understand is how long a lasting effect is going to have on on those kinds of economies Mm -hmm. so it's one thing to of course the sickness is terrible yeah but the lasting effects of it but Nonetheless, these are resilient people. Yeah, well, that they can be, we can be.
0: That's another recurring thing that uh, you know that has come up in a lot of these conversations is the resilience of human beings. Yeah. you know that we have to modify our behaviors to swing with the punches, and yeah. uh, and we learn as a part of that process, and that's that's an upside anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But what about climate change and global warming and the impact that that's going to have, particularly on on those kinds of nation, nations that are yeah. surrounded by water <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and more susceptible to weather events. Yeah, have, so have, have they, I don't know how Guatemala fits into that picture. Oh, but so
1: it fits into it a lot. So, yeah. for example, we work in a community that's mostly coffee growers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's an old plantation and uh, coffee is grown on, in mountains right. and it's underbush. Well, a couple of years ago, uh, there was a coffee rust that went through. It's kind of a fungus. Oh, yes. And uh-huh. it wiped out a lot of the plants that were there. And then it's well thought that the fungus is a result of climate change. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. And it accelerated it. So some of the work that we did as a result of that um, was to work with the coffee growers there, connected them to uh, agricultural scientists here and, uh, and Catholic Relief Services and help them to replant and replant in what had happened was they were all the same plants, right? So it wasn't a resilient system. Right, yeah. So uh-huh. all the coffee got wiped out. So yeah. now they diversified it more, so the different types of coffee plants. Uh-huh. So actually what was good is those, that those coffee plants now are mature and starting to yield coffee. Oh, that's good. And this year actually they had a very good coffee crop, and the price of coffee was up. Oh, yeah. So they actually did okay. but uh-huh. So climate change is already impacting people in very significant ways.
0: Right, yeah.
1: And I think, too, that it is an issue, and it back to COVID, that's not just climate change. I think that we're beginning to learn that, you know, social justice, climate change are all part of the same fabric.
0: They really are. And you've
1: got to solve for all of it if you're going to solve for any of it. Mm-hmm. So I think we I've certainly learned that lesson, you know, kind of boots on the ground in, in Guatemala. So you really see it. When people live on the edge, small changes in the climate make a big difference. yeah. So, but thankfully, we're able to, to work together and, and overcome it. And it's those kinds of actions, I think. People working in small communities and really being resilient, I think that's what's going to get us through all this stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And do they have the, the young people involved? Yes.
1: Yes, yeah. thankfully. They so that's
0: do. critical, also. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although I know the young people feel like it's a terrible, terrible burden that they're the ones that are going to have to save the world. They are. Uh, right. But they are. <laughs> and so it's. thankfully they know it yeah well (laughs) some of them do some of them have their heads up their asses
1: (laughs) (laughs) a few (laughs) a few
0: well yeah those that weren't raised right
1: there you go (laughs) (laughs) certainly not our children (laughs) not at all (laughs) both of us can attest to that ours are brilliant yeah of course
0: (laughs) so you you actually had some other interesting things that you mentioned we could talk about and um and we, I guess we've really started to touch on that was what the pandemic has revealed about us as persons. And, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> of course, I'm feeling really negative right now about us as persons, you know, yeah. maybe not as individuals, but as a group of, of people. And, um, you know, this schism that we have, you know, who's gonna rise to care for others and who's gonna. You know, care for themselves, you know, good of the many over the good of the self. You know, this whole thing with masking and vaccines and that kind of stuff has really really shown that schism. And um, it it causes one to despair. I'm not sure that's what you want to talk about when you (laughs) mention that. (laughs) No, um,
1: what I I found interesting was that um, let's take those issues that you're just talking about masking and getting vaccines and Mm -hmm. whatnot, uh, and then also looking at people being alone. And what I find interesting is, is that I think a lot of people lost their interior life, right? And maybe the idea of being alone would be great if they could regain it. In many respects, you need to have some kind of interior life to understand the moral decision of wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. It, it shouldn't really be a moral decision, but it is. Right? Yeah, it is. Right, yeah. And I think that when you look, and, and vaccines, and you look at the idea that, that we have to mandate all of this Mm -hmm. that's nuts because so many people say no that i think that goes to the quality of an interior interior life that's yeah so
0: what do you mean by interior life the the
1: whole idea of you know i think you need to take time to really build yourself as a person Mm -hmm. to understand who you are in relationship to others yeah and that takes i think things like meditation and prayer and Reading introspection, under, reading introspection reading yes mm-hmm, exactly yeah to understand your place in the world and that you have a responsibility to others mm-hmm. so it's kind of ironic that you need to kind of be introspective in order to serve others well right and i think pandemic revealed that it revealed that we stopped doing that
0: mm-hmm. at some point
1: yeah that we stopped lear- learning the great things about how to be a moral person or taking the time to have an interior life mm-hmm. um and to understand that we we we're so exterior focused on all the things that are going on around us mm-hmm. that all of a sudden when we got pulled out of it we didn't know how to deal with it we didn't know how to care for others we didn't know how to say yeah i think i should get a vaccine mm-hmm. or yes it's okay to wear a mask <laughs> right yeah um
0: my personal liberty my personal liberty exactly what it's, it's what amazing. is that
1: exactly it's not even liberty right Mm-mm. it's it's individualism which is Exact opposite. Liberty is how you practice your rights for the benefit of others, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well put. But
1: luckily for me, I, I for me again maybe because I'm an introvert, the idea of having more alone time. Now, first of all, alone time is not quite right because you begin your morning at eight o'clock, turning on the Zoom call, mm-hmm. and you know at six o'clock at night is one that Zoom finally shuts off. Right. So yes. You're not not really alone. No. Right? <laughs> but after that, you know, you you do have the time and the space. For me, it was beneficial because I could do my schoolwork.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> which is was hard to balance. I'm sure it worked. It, it was, but then you have the time to reflect. Mm-hmm. You
1: know, if people could use this time to do that, I think we'd all be a lot better off.
0: How do we make that happen?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question.
0: Have everybody listened to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, the other thing that you talked about, and I guess maybe we've already brushed on this a little bit, was you know adaptability or, and um, what change has accelerated because of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, I think that what you're begin, we're beginning to see is that the world that was built in you know, the, the neoliberal economy or whatever they call it, I, I think this, this is its end. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's a complete end, don't get me wrong, but it's really revealed the, the, the problems, in it, right? I mean, I think it's reasonable to suggest that the, the source of the pandemic are the kinds of things that are affecting climate change, right? Mm-hmm. The way we treat the environment, the way we treat one another. And that you can't have this constant system of, of just market and competition. And no, there has to be a new kind of cooperative economy that's going to grow out of this. Because it has to. Yeah, you well,
0: know? when are people going to learn that? I mean, I agree 100%, but it just seems like people don't want to learn that. They're just so unwilling to change. They're just, just hanging on to what they perceive to be the good old days. Or,
1: But that doesn't last that long. And I think in the end of the day, you know, when I begin to look at some younger people that um, maybe because of the program that I was in, they're really, uh, needless to say, I was the old guy in the program. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so the old white guy in the program, yeah. everybody else is young <laughs> and of color. And, um, but I look at the, I'm really inspired. Um, and to say that, yeah, what you're seeing is kind of the last, and this is what happens, right? In the end, everybody yells and screams and, but in the end of the day, it gives way. It gives mm-hmm. way to something new. And I think that that's something new, you can begin to see the glimpses of it.
0: I'm hopeful for that. I, yeah, yeah I, I'm really hopeful for that. And I, I do. I cycle. I'm on this sort of, you know, up and down, up and down. You know, I'm hopeful and then... Rachel yeah. Maddow will rain on my parade. You, know? you mean because
1: we thought we were almost out of this, this business and now here we are? They pulled us back in? I mean, yeah. Why, why would you be up and down? I have no idea why it would be. Well,
0: it really just has more to do with the voices out there, the yeah. loud voices and yeah. the ones that are being uh, broadcast and, and amplified and
1: by social media and, and everything else.
0: And yeah. really, and that's what people are listening to. And I despair that I don't feel people are smart enough. I just feel like we're getting dumber. <laughs> and <laughs> i'm sorry no, but yeah i don't think people are some people just aren't smart enough to see through it it's uh, i think also too we're, we're i'm not saying i'm brilliant i don't mean that but i mean well, you just, are brilliant <laughs> but um
1: but i think also we're learning we're learning some of the wrong things we're not taking the time to learn the things that maybe we did in the past you know i'm, I'm a i'm a victim of a classical education right so um all those things that we learned, and
0: nobody learns anything. I know, it's just, yeah. yeah so <laughs> I know, I sound like, get off my lawn. <laughs> 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 they don't teach <laughs> reading, writing, and arithmetic <laughs> anymore. The three R's.
1: In some respects, maybe we're almost too smart for our own good. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we need to, I think, build. Some Idiocracy. Yeah, exactly. It's really <laughs> happening. <laughs> what? But again, maybe because I was in a, in a college environment again, which was great, yes. mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty optimistic.
0: Well, the other thing, of course, is uh, that we've learned. When we talked about this a little bit, is you know, automation. Um, you know, humans are going to do less and less of stuff. Right. You know, and uh, you know, I mean, even zooming, but just jobs. You know, people are quitting their jobs that suck, and so how are we going to how are we going to fill those jobs because we need to have them done, and you know. So it's interesting. Automation.
1: Um, So we've been doing some research in this um, Mm -hmm. because some of the work that we do is in things like distribution centers, right? And that's where everybody assumes robotics are Mm -hmm. taking over. That's not what's happening. Interestingly enough, in the buildings that are most heavily automated are those also with the greatest workforce. And it's because what they figured out was automation it doesn't really work all that well. Um, you need people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So more and more, well, <laughs> it's technology that accompanies people. And, mm-hmm. it, and it should. Mm-hmm. You, you, should ha- if, you shouldn't you should be lifting really heavy things. If you can get a robot to lift it for you, let the robot lift it. And Definitely. that's the kind of things that I think make a lot of sense to do. I think the trick will be, how do you make that connection work well? There are too many examples where it's, it's not working well, where they're using robotics and things like that to push people to their limit and efficiency but there, if we can develop the appropriate... Are you talking
0: energy, about Amazon?
1: Um, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not talking about Amazon. <laughs> there are things that we all read about, right? But, yeah. So I, I think there is a, a benefit to, I think, the technology that's out there that's helping people. The trick is that's where our ethical lines have got to be. That's what technology is about, to help people. It's not really good at replacing them anyway. So let it help them. Help mm-hmm. them in ways that make sense. That enhance people's lives again I'll, I'm optimistic yeah, yeah.
0: But, I mean we've gone full circle you Just automation people people helping people automation using it as a tool but not a replacement and just how to make this I mean it's it seems so possible if everybody would buy into it that just get this good global fabric working you know it seems so just beyond our grasp
1: <laughs> yeah um, but it, it, it is and it isn't right so it's this whole idea of the integral ecology, right? It all has got to work together. It has to be socially just systems, environmentally just systems, economically just systems. And But what's real, again, I'll go back to Guatemala. What's really fascinating for me is how the resilience and the work of people in a small community who don't really have a lot, they're mm-hmm. the ones that are making change. Mm-hmm. So if those are the folks that can make change, imagine what we can do.
0: True enough. Well, if we get over this, we would just accept and or believe that we are uh, citizens of the world mm-hmm. and not cloistered tribes, exactly. everybody would be better off. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I agree. I, <laughs> I'm hoping that this pandemic doesn't do that again. Like after the financial crisis, we all kind of hung out in our little nation camps, if yes, you will. Yes,
0: exactly. Right? Uh-huh.
1: We can't do that moving forward uh, out of this. Somehow that has got to change.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how we do shift from this pandemic mindset yes. uh, back to... Living in a in a changed world.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: And, uh, you know, it's exciting. It is exciting. Um, but it's also daunting and yeah. terrifying. Yeah, because <laughs> change
1: is usually a messy business. Actually. Yeah. So, but, but in the end, change prevails. And I think better change prevails. Mm. That's just my, how messy will it be to get there is, I guess, the question at the moment.
0: Yeah. Well, we've covered a lot of topics. I think we've just saved the world, so. (laughs) (laughs) All in your garage. (laughs) I
1: love my garage. That's a great space.
0: Well, anyway, um, any parting thoughts before we sign off?
1: Uh, I'm sure we're all going to get through this soon. (laughs) I really am. So be optimistic. We'll get through it. Great. Thank you,
0: Sheila. Well, thanks for joining me. Let's go have a glass of wine. and. And some dinner. And uh, thanks for listening. Until next time, everybody, stay connected.